Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. I was reading through Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs' Torah for this week. For those of you who don't know, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs died at the beginning of the pandemic. Very suddenly, he was diagnosed, I believe, with cancer, and then died. Oh, Larry Herman's here, and then and then died very soon thereafter. Larry was actually the person who mentioned during services one Shabbat that he had passed away, and yet he came up with these drashot, with these teachings of Torah, for every week of this year to be put into a book. He obviously did not know that he was going to be passing away, but now they get sent out every week to people to read, and it's new Torah every week, even though he's gone. And his Torah this week was perfect for this moment. He doesn't know that Beitenu exists, and he didn't know that this was what I was looking to teach. But I almost wanted to just take his drosh and stand up here and read it to all of you. Oh, <laughs> Stuart's already read it, so I could just take it and read it to you. Uh, but I decided that we would look at the sources that are used in that teaching, along with some of Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs's words. So, um, Ben and David, can you hand these out? <clears throat> this is what Ziegler students are for. They hand out your papers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you can make the rabbis do it, David. So, for those of you who have never been to Beitenu before, uh, this is supposed to be interactive. So, I'm going to read a verse, and then I want to hear your thoughts on this verse. This is the first, the first, mm-hmm, the first two verses of this week's parsha and of the book of Bamidbar, of the book of Numbers. So, it says here. On the first day of the second month, in the second year, following the exodus from the land of Egypt, Adonai spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting to say. That's all lovely background. We're going to really focus on the second verse here. Se'u et rosh kol adat b'nei Yisrael lemishpechotam levet avotam bemispar shemot kol zachar legul gelotam. Se'u means to literally lift up it says here, take a census of the whole Israelite community by the clans of their ancestral houses, listing the names, every male, head by head. So what do you notice? What do you notice in either of these verses, but specifically the second verse? What do you notice? Larry. Great. Okay. So it says the whole Israelite community, but then it says count only the males. It also then says every head, right? So goes from very broad to very specific in, in the same sentence. Great. Anything else? Anybody notice? Sorry, Gary, say one more time. It's not by the clan? It's by the clan, as opposed to by the person. Great. So it's by family, as opposed to by individual person. What did you say, Larry? Oh, okay, great. Any other thoughts, comments? Yeah, Rebecca. Great. So you really know who's there. Rabbi Clickfield spoke beautifully during the baby naming about what it means to count, but to actually know. You're not just counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You actually know who is one, who is two, who is three. So you are listing these people to know exactly who is there. 
even though it's also by clan, by by group of family. Anything else? Diane? Yes. Great. Beautiful. So this isn't just about the family you're in currently, who your parents are in today's day, but also who your parents' parents were and who their parents were and who their parents were. And it goes back and back and back. In chapter two of Bamidbar, verse two, it says that you're going to actually be standing under a banner of your ancestry. So not only are you to represent them, but you actually stand under a chuppah of sorts that has the emblem of your family on it so that people know who you are and you know who you belong to. So that's what they're introducing in this phrase, in this uh, verse here. Any other? Yeah, Ben. Great. So the date in the first part of this, uh, these two verses seems to be extremely important, Ben said, because as he said, it takes up half of the first verse, uh, and it all relates back to the Exodus. So it's not just telling you what day we're on, similar actually to the family piece. It's not just telling you what family you're in or what day we're on today, but where we come from. Yeah, David. Ah, beautiful. Beautiful. So what David said, I'm sorry I'm repeating everything, but everyone on Zoom can't hear what you're all saying. Uh, what David said is that the last time a census was taken, it was in order to build the Ohel Moed, and now we are doing all of this at the Ohel Moed, which is the place where it's supposed to be done. So again, kind of connecting back to the last two comments that were made, it's not just about in this, but what happened in the moments leading up to this moment. Okay, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs says in his piece, by the way, if you haven't, I'm not reading the, mm-hmm, I'm not reading. I'm not reading the whole piece, but uh, but you should. You should read the whole piece after Shabbat, and I can send it to you if you don't have it. In any census, count or roll call, there is a tendency to focus on the total, the crowd, the multitude, the mass. Here is a nation of 60 million people or a company with 100,000 employees or a sports crowd of 60,000. Any total tends to value the group or nation as a whole. The larger the total, the stronger the army. The more popular the team, the more successful the company. Okay, so for just a second, imagine that you went to an event and someone didn't ask you afterwards how many people were there. That's always the first question. Oh, how many people were there? Oh, you're teaching a class? How many students do you have? Oh, you work for a company? How many people are work in that company? How many people are on your same level? It's always about the number of people. And people assume that if there are more of them, it's more successful. Which could be true or could be really untrue. Sometimes having an intimate crowd allows you to learn more intimately. Engage with somebody easier than if there were tons of people around and you wouldn't be able to speak to everybody. So the crowd seems to be the emphasis But it isn't necessarily saying that that's what we need to focus on. It just seems to be what we as humans tend to focus on, similar to the verse from Bamidbar. Do you have a point, Brant? Or we just right? Exactly. So what Brant said was that if we really were just worried about the community or the multitudes, we wouldn't then list all the names. What's important for us as Jews reading this Torah to notice is that it's both about the community and about the names. Now this, this teaching, and I just recognize that I didn't put this on the top and I meant to, this teaching is being done in memory of Lou Miller, uh, who 
passed away 30-ish days ago. So Larry is finishing or has finished now Shloshim for his father. I was lucky enough to know Lou extremely well. And Lou is the kind of person who in a crowd of people could notice the one person or could notice the individuals. He was constantly at galas and at dinners and at big functions. Even just his own family is a big function. And he could focus in on the individual person without any problem. Better than many, many people. Rabbi Klickfeld shared at his funeral a story that I shared with Rabbi Klickfeld that at my interview weekend, I was downstairs in Dorf Nelson Chapel giving my sermon for the weekend. And I finished giving the sermon and people wanted to talk to me, which was lovely. And I was speaking to someone, I don't remember who, Lou came up, interrupted the person without apology, <laughs> interrupted the person, pulled me aside, kissed me on the cheek and said, excuse me, I have to kiss our future rabbi. And it was just, he knew how to make an individual feel important and feel special in a crowd. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but I wanted to mention him at the beginning of this teaching. Rabbi Klickfeld taught this Rashi for the bat mitzvah, for the bat mitzvah. Eh, we're looking ahead 12 years, for the baby naming. So I'm not going to go into it too much, but just to remind you what he said, what Rashi is saying here is that he, that God is not just counting the people because God needed to know they were all there, but because God cared for every individual person and therefore they needed to be counted. Because if you don't count every individual person, sure, you might know that they exist, but you're not showing them that they mean something to you. It says, because they were dear to God, God counts them every hour. If you've ever been a camp counselor, you you always know how many kids you're supposed to have. And you do on, on the hour worry, do I have all 12 of my campers with me? Because you care about them and you're in charge of them. They're your responsibility. Rabbi Sachs goes on to say, a significance of one remarkable feature of Judaism, its principled insistence like no other civilization before on the dignity and integrity of the individual. We believe that every human being was created in the image and the likeness of God. The sages said that every life is like an entire universe. Maimonides wrote that each of us should see ourselves as if our next act could change the fate of the world. Every dissenting view is carefully recorded in the Mishnah, even if the law is otherwise. Every verse of the Torah is capable, said the sages, of 70 interpretations. No voice, no view is silenced. Judaism never allows us to use our individuality in the mass. So you can flip the page over. <coughs> One thing that many people talk about, especially when I'm working with conversion students, one of the many things that I hear often is, I love the study of Judaism because every voice is mentioned. Not just the popular voice, not just the quote correct voice, but when you study Gemara, one of the reasons that it's so complicated is because you hear every single voice. And only later on, Stuart and I have talked about this before, only later on do you know, okay, so which one of those five men that we just heard from is actually telling us what we need to know in the 21st century. That's why it's so complicated because every single person is included. And we try in community to do exactly that, to live out what the Gemara does, which is listen to every single voice, because without listening to every single voice, we can't say that we welcome every voice into the tent. 
this tent and all other tents. <laughs> We're going to skip the Mishnah Sanhedrin just because of time, but I highlighted this line here because it matches to the highlighted piece that Rabbi Sachs mentions in his drash. So if you want to look at it, feel free. This Talmud piece here it, from Brachot on page 58a is quite beautiful and one that I had not studied before, so I want to read it with you. It says, Tanu Rabbanan. The sages taught, one who sees multitudes of Israel recites. So one who sees a bunch of people together recites. Baruch Hacham Harazim. Blessed who knows all secrets. So if you see a bunch of people, I could say this in front of all of you because I'm looking at a lot of people. Blessed who knows all secrets. Why is this? Steinsalt says. He sees a whole nation whose minds are unlike each other and whose faces are unlike each other. And God who knows all secrets, God knows what is in each of their hearts. So even when you're looking at multitudes, you need to recognize, just as God can recognize, that each individual person is different from the person they're sitting next to, both physically, we don't, none of us look the same as the other, and also in our soul and in our heart and in our mind. We are each different, and therefore in a crowd, it is important to know how many people are there because each individual person is an individual world. Benzoma once saw a multitude of Israel. While standing on a stair of the Temple Mount, he immediately recited, Blessed who knows all secrets and blessed who created all these to serve me. This speaks very directly to why I want to teach this topic today for Beitenu. Because I was really excited to get Beitenu back together. Super, super excited. I don't know for those of you who remember, I remember this very clearly, that the past two times we tried to get Beitenu back together have been the exact weeks that the CDC has said, don't get anybody together, and I've had to cancel Beitenu twice. So the fact that we're all here is like a miracle beyond miracles. And... Getting Beitenu back together was exciting for me because it's my community, because it's a group of people that I enjoy being with. But what I realized when I read this text and when I read through Rabbi Jonathan Sachs's piece is that it wasn't about Beitenu. It was about the individual people who I can imagine in Pilch Hall, where you sit, what you say, what kind of comments you give during a text study, who's going to want an aliyah, who's going to stand in the back and just drink coffee. I know each and every single person, and that's what makes Beitenu. It's not that Beitenu is this group of something. It, I'm glad that it's a community. But it's the individuals who make up Beitenu. So what I was excited about was seeing Beitenu in person. But what I mean by that is the people who make up Beitenu. We're not in Pilchal right now. And I will never take Pilchal for granted ever again. <laughs> Even though the air conditioning never works when you need it to, the coffee isn't great, the room is pretty small, but I will never take it for granted. Because it means that the people who enjoy that space for all of its flaws and for all of its beauty come to be in that space to be together for a service called Beitenu. God tells Moses to lift people's heads by showing that they each count. They matter as individuals. Indeed, in Jewish law, a devar sheba minyan, 
something that is counted, sold individually rather than by weight, is never nullified even in a mixture of a thousand or a million others, meaning something that is always together never can be divided out to be nullified in a larger uh, amount. In Judaism, taking a census must always be done in such a way as to signal that we are valued as individuals. We each have unique gifts. There is a contribution only I can bring. To lift someone's head means to show them favor, to recognize them, and it's a gesture of love. So on the last page here, just to go back to Lou Miller for one second. It's not just about knowing that someone's in a crowd and being able to recognize them and go up to them and say hello. It's about knowing them well enough that when you approach them, you know what to say and what conversation to have and how they're feeling and how they're doing and why they're here. And that was Lou Miller's gift. Lou spent his life taking care of multitudes, again, including his family, which is an empire onto its own. But the fact that Lou could know every person that he knew well and really know them made everybody feel like they were Lou Miller's best friend. And I know that because my grandparents feel that way about your parents. It's an extremely special gift for someone to have. And Lou Miller is not the only person on the planet who has that gift. But he shared it with so many people that it makes others want to be like Lou Miller in his absence, to be able to take on that gift of being able to see each and every person for who they are, to connect to their soul, to connect to their heart, and in Lou's world, to help them, to make them feel as though they are important and therefore they can also achieve something. So this next piece, this last piece that we'll look at together is we said it earlier today during the baby naming. It's the priestly blessing. You all know it well, but I want to connect it directly to what we're talking about today. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and show you grace. And this is the part that connects to this parsha. Yisa Adonai panav elecha veyasem lecha shalom. The other two are general. God will bless you and God will keep you and God will be gracious to you. But this last line is that God's face is going to lift to you, to you individually, that your relationship with God is an individual one, just like in our Parsha, just like when you're in community, that you are seen as an individual as part of a whole. So may God's face lift to you and grant you peace. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs says, a Jewish leader has to respect individuals. They must lift their heads. If you seek to lead, however small or large the group you lead, you must always communicate the value you place on everyone. It is hard to lead a nation of individuals, but this is the most challenging, empowering, inspiring leadership of all. So I hope that I can live up to these words of Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs and say that it is truly remarkable to be back with all of you in Beitenu, but not because we're in Pilch, and not because there are many of you here, but because each individual that makes up this community is truly, truly special, and to be able to come back together is really just such a blessing.
You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.